everyone, this is Tony and John, bringing you King's Talk, presented by Cap City Crown. It's been a week since we've last talked. In that stretch, the Kings have gone 3-1, and one, the win over the Lakers, OKC, a loss to the Sixers, and then a win on Monday night. Not even a win, just like a total, like a schlackdown of the Memphis Grizzlies. Winning by 33, 12 threes in the first. It was a dominating victory. So, uh... You know, I mean, shoot, the Kings in the last two weeks, the Kings have gone, what, seven and one, eight, seven, one, seven of the last eight. So things are looking good in Sacramento. John, how are we feeling? That win on Monday was interesting because it felt like it took on a lot of the characteristics of what this team will often do in the context of doing good things. Because that game was not a blowout from like in the first half. Like it was a very close game at halftime. Mm-hmm. And then it just well, they closed out the game on what like a thirty to thirty four to four run or something. <laughs> I mean, I think I think uh, Memphis only scored ten points in that fourth. It, it was, was some crazy stretch. I don't remember the exact stretch off the top of my head, but it was like thirty four to four in like the final like eight minutes of the game or something. Jeez. Well, they yeah. only scored thirty three in the tenth. Surprisingly. Well, okay. It was like 30, 30 to four or something. Yeah. It was, crazy. it was a lot. It was it was like you said, it was a beat down. And I don't know what it is, but it just seems like when this team's doing well, they're doing it because of their halftime adjustments, you know? Mm-hmm. Everything just kind of tightens up. It's it's really, really, really impressive to watch. Yeah, it is. I mean, that game against Memphis was just a total beat down. And what, what was nice about that win as well was that even without John Morant and Steven Adams, which is kind of like, well, you should win that game. Well, guess what? Two days before, <laughs> you lose to the Sixers uh, at home without Embiid and Harden, which should, you know, be an easier one, maybe. Because I know the I know Memphis plays well without Morant um, in the past. So uh, you're like, uh, you know, it's like, okay, good. Morant and Adams are out, but it's like, all right, you, you can't lose this one, too. Because uh, Saturday night's loss against the Sixers after being up 21 at one point. Um, it's kind of like the Kings just ran out of gas. It was the second of a back-to-back, so it's like, uh, that's like the one excuse I'll give them. But it was nice coming out on Monday, even without, I'm going to say their two best players, but definitely their best player. And then a guy who killed us last time on the offensive glass and Steven Adams, you know, they took care of business big time. And I think, <laughs> I think the Kings set their... Their season high in rebounding uh, on Monday night. So uh, Stephen Stephen Adams's absence did definitely make an impact for the Kings. That's a, that's very important to note the absence of those two players. <laughs> yeah, they beat they beat the second seed in the West by thirty three. But it's still, the second half adjustments, man, they're incredible. It, they were. I mean, like you said, that that game was close at the half. I think the biggest catalyst behind that win was the energy with which the bench played with you know lyle scored 24 points which was a game high but at the same time it's going after loose balls running up the floor he's hustling 100 you know rashawn holmes coming in with energy davion mitchell doing what he does with his effort on the defensive end and basically kind of being the head of the snake when he's in there as mike brown likes to say that provides an energy too but beneath it all the real difference the big eruption here was Malik Monk, and he is the lone guy on the bench who has the ability to single-handedly uplift the whole unit because, and I think we've said this before kind of in reference to Metu, like when Metu does well, it's usually because 
he's just one of the boats on the water and the water's rising because of Malik Monk or something. And we've seen over the last couple of weeks, like Trey Lyles has played really well. But while he helps and he's, you know, ridiculously productive on both ends of the floor, he doesn't have that same effect that Monk does in helping the whole bench. Davion Mitchell, he's, in terms of what he does on defense, he's probably one of the most consistent players on the team. Just looking at that at the end of the floor. But still, that doesn't necessarily always drive up the whole bench unit. And the backup five is usually reliant on whether or not the whole bench unit is kind of rolling. And Malik Monk, you know, as he did on Monday night against the Grizzlies, he went off. He was fantastic, almost had a triple-double off the bench, and was hitting shots, was continuing to facilitate, but like at an added level. He was on the boards like nobody's business. And just you see how much that puts them over the top. Can he sustain this? Can he keep this going? He's the definition of a streaky player, right? Like if he's going to be making shots, he's going to he's going to be doing that on a consistent basis. And we saw that earlier on the season. And this is like his first really big slump. And that's just how it is with streaky players. And so now that we see he had a good game on Monday night, 13, 9 and 8 off the bench. I think that it can give you a lot of promise because it's like, all right, this is a streaky guy. So if he's good, he has a good game, he's maybe feeling it again, right? And I think a good thing, we saw him hit, I think, how many threes did he hit the, uh, on uh, Monday? Do you remember? He hit, did he hit two? Uh, was he like two or four, maybe two yeah. or five? And I think that's huge. I think he, maybe he's feeling that shot again. But I'm not saying he's going to play like this the rest of the year because he's a streaky guy. So maybe he'll play well until February or so, and then go in a slump in March. And it's just kind of the nature of those kind of guys, unfortunately. But for the immediate future, we can maybe see um, Monk kind of get back in the swing of things. But there's probably going to be another slump in this season, unfortunately. Yeah, that's fair to say. I just know that he's... We talk about like who are the top five players on this team. I feel like the top four are pretty set in stone, and they're all in the starting lineup. And then it's kind of like between the rookie and Monk for fifth, maybe. But it almost feels like lately because Monk's really played himself out of that conversation. But when he is your fifth best player, like, man, but I don't even know if we've really seen this team fire on all cylinders really yet. That's yeah, all. And everyone That's, just got it going. Yeah. And I just, yeah. well, and just the importance of Monk just kind of tying into that. We'll have to see what he does going forward because he is so important. Mm-hmm. But we got the, the, we got the deadline coming up. So. There's a lot to talk about still. I mean, a lot to, a lot, some new stuff, some stuff to be uh, kind of redundant about. But uh, first of all, it's interesting. You know, as we noted, Rashawn Holmes, he got a double-double when he started for DeMontis Sabonis. He played really well. Metu has his injury against, was that against? That was against Philadelphia. Philadelphia. And... Um, he comes in, Holmes comes in for second half relief of Sabonis, plays pretty well. And Holmes played played very nicely against the Grizzlies in terms of rebounding and energy. He was terrific. And Mark Stein reported, I think Monday or Tuesday, that other teams are kind of looking at Holmes as a potential buyout candidate, which is essentially to say that they either think his contracts too high or that the king's asking price is too high and that they're not going to be able to trade him and now that doesn't necessarily mean that the kings are actually thinking about doing that that because if the kings can't trade him 
if they're not able to make a move that involves Holmes, it kind of feels safe to say that that would mean that they didn't get a deal done at the back of five, at least. So what would they stand to gain by doing a buyout with Rashawn Holmes? Right? I mean... Yeah, nothing. You, you don't buy out Holmes. I don't know why. I mean, I get it. Maybe, you know, save save cap space for the offseason. Well, I, I don't just, even think that affects the cap. I think it's... I think the money would still go towards the cap in some way. Oh. Uh, I, th- I think with uh, with this, if I read that correctly. Oh, well then I did. They just save money in terms of like, they wouldn't have to pay. Like they just save, the organization would save cash. Yeah, <laughs> well then I guess the only person to gain out of that would be Vivek, right? So, I, I mean, I don't see this as a realistic move regardless. Like you said, if you don't trade homes, it's because there is no suitor for him at least you know giving a reasonable offer i mean i would you, if someone offered you two second rounders for homes would you trade him um but, but again okay wait before i even ask that because it is very dependent on if you have a backup center because it, that's you, you, exactly you, that's the whole that it's an important piece that i did not really mention because right now i don't know how long metu is going to be out it's a bone bruise in it, he was questionable for memphis so i mean maybe He's questionable. I mean, maybe a week tops, you would think. I mean, he's not out. So you think he missed maybe a game or two? Maybe come back? And he might not even come back and play well. Yeah. You know, I mean, like, I don't know. I mean, he he was playing pretty well before he got hurt. Not now, of course. I still think that they should try to get an upgrade there, but this is all under the scenario that they can't. And so you might very well need Holmes. And Mm -hmm. just based off the last. Uh, his last three appearances, he's played well. And it's like, we've said this before. So I, you don't want to get ahead of yourself, but also really interesting after the Laker game, Mike Brown said, the guy's been dealing with stuff that you wouldn't wish upon anybody off the court, which is making mention of his debacle uh, at the end of last season. And it was the first time, in, to my knowledge, it was the first time that anybody really mentioned off the court matters for Holmes you know, out of the organization. Holmes himself said ahead of training camp that uh, everything was behind him. As expected, it's just like you don't expect athletes to tell 100% the truth, especially when it comes to their personal lives. Like, what do you expect him to say there? So it was always a possibility that that could have been lingering, but it never really got brought up. And it just kind of, well, I guess that's behind him. And then Mike Brown mentioned that. And it's just like, well, if he's been going on with that, then there's still a ton of hope that he can tie things together. I mean, he did, it never seemed like he didn't want to figure it out. I mean, he was so pumped after the Laker game. There's mm-hmm. so much, there's so much, he was so invigorated. It just seemed like he needed something like that. And I don't know, since that game, he's played pretty decently. And again, it's a game, it's a, it's a game and a half essentially since that start that he's played as of now. But like, like we're kind of saying on this buyout topic, it's like the Kings might need him. And if he plays like this, he, he has some pretty good defensive moments. Uh, he he got a block where he kind of went straight up. It kind of looked like he could have been called for a foul, but it just seemed like he got the ball more than anything. But he, he his defense is coming around. Like Things just seem like they're a little better. And it just, I mean, you hate to just leave it at like, man, that'd be a shot in the arm. Wouldn't that be great? But... <laughs> It would be. I, it would be. Um, I still don't know how to feel about Holmes. I'm less 
likely to get excited over the idea that he can be that backup center we would hope or we were hoping he'd be coming into the season. Um, that's because he's had the job twice and he's lost it twice now, right? Um, regardless of off-court matters or not. And yeah, he had a big game against the Lakers as a, as a starter. After you know, He was a starter in that situation. He has not really looked good off the bench. Um, I mean, he always looked. At, he always looked good as a starter, hence why he got that contract, right? I mean, you hope he can turn it around, but you, but again, at the same time, you can't trade him. You can't leave Metu and Lynn as your only backups. Um, if the Kings, you know, make the playoffs, which it looks like they probably will at this rate, so if you trade, if you can get a backup center and you're able to trade homes, I think that's the right move, but mostly for the contract and. And the way he's been playing, of course. Like, you hope he can get out of it, and maybe he can get back to it next year. I mean, who's to say? But you can also cut $11 million off the books if you trade him. So, um, yeah, it's just, it's just really dependent on that backup center. If you can grab maybe a Mason Plumlee, maybe a New Orleans Noel, I don't know. You bring up a good point there, because that's, that's kind of getting away from the buyout talk. Just looking at that L.A. start, that was a hell of an advertisement. It, we always kind of like that was the big narrative coming in, which made it so great that he was going to be the backup. It's like you have two starting caliber centers, but then it ended up being you just have an MVP candidate and someone that doesn't want to be a backup or doesn't, yeah. doesn't not. It's not that they doesn't want to be a backup. It's just it's maybe it's a rhythm thing. Um, take the two, last game and a half out of it. He's been terrible as a backup. You make a great point, but the hell of an advertisement in terms of being able to trade them. Um, and the, the, that again, like we mentioned about the buyout talk, it's almost like you just, it just seems like one of those rumors that comes out to kind of try to like whittle down the value. Maybe yeah. it just seems like almost hearing that you're almost prone to think like, Oh, there are chatterings going on about homes. They're talking about homes. People want homes. And I don't know. It's interesting. It's just, it almost seems like you could definitely look at it and say that uh, things are going down that path. I don't know. It's, it, there's a lot of interesting things to look at here, but I don't think that the Kings are going to come to an agreement with Holmes to buy out his contract. No, I think that's the less likely thing. They either, I think the most likely thing is that they're going to keep him. I just, I didn't know if they can get a backup center. And then if you can't get a backup center, you got to keep Holmes, right? But, so then the trade would be the second and then buying out. I, I mean, that just should be so low. It just, it doesn't benefit the Kings whatsoever. Just might as well keep him at that point. But if you could move the $11 million, I mean, hell, that's an interesting situation all of a sudden. If you do have a backup center coming in as well, that's maybe less expensive. You got a little bit of money to work with because the possibility that this team makes one or two trades is it's there. I don't know what's going to happen on by the trade deadline, but the other area, obviously, is kind of like the wing. And I feel like we talk about it every week. We're just like, yeah, there's just no there's no viable options. But we have more people that are not viable options. <laughs> well, while we were recording this, um, the Kings, or the Kings, and as I say Kings, I say the Stockton Kings, they actually signed Josh Jackson. I who- saw that. <laughs> who was on the Kings last year, and we got him from the Pistons with Lyles and uh, 
Well, that was it. But he also we also got DiVincenzo in that trade. Um, so Josh Jackson. I mean, I don't know if he's here. Uh, I don't know if he's going to be in the back of three. Um, but I don't know. Maybe <laughs> I think that's everyone with Josh Jackson. He was number four overall pick. RP4 De'Aaron Fox in the 2017 draft. And so that alone, you know, gives people a lot of hope. And it's like, yeah, he has potential. Again, that was six years ago, and he's been bouncing around teams ever since. So uh, I don't know if he's the option, but I don't know. You know, just like every other team probably said when they got Josh Jackson in the last four years, like, yeah, maybe. So I guess we can see with him. Uh, it'd, be, it'd be interesting. I mean, like, it'd be a really good story. Whenever Josh Jackson go, went out there late last year, it was always just like, I never rooted so hard for a guy. Right. Come on, Josh. Hey, go, especially with him on the Kings. Like, yeah. Make rock, your home uh, here. Rocking that white chocolate number. <laughs> I know he did, huh? Well, there's actually, it's interesting that they, they just picked him up because it's just like, you know, like Mo Harkless is a free agent, I think. <laughs> I forget about Mo Harkless already. Yeah, I didn't even realize that he was, I thought he was just on the Hawks the whole time, but I guess he got traded from there long ago. And then I think he got cut. But <laughs> maybe bring in Mo Harkless. Um, no. I don't know. Um, he's what, 29, 28? Mo Harkless? I don't know. Is he only? He's 29? Oh, my God. I feel like this guy's been in the league for, like, 40 seasons. Well, that's pretty old. That's, that's like, nine years in the league right there if you're 29. I I would have guessed 35. But, yeah. He started at 19, yeah. So, it's his, I think it's 10th season right here. That's crazy. Well, he hasn't played a game yet. I can't believe we had him for, like, a year and a half. It was a big trade. We got him from the Heat with uh, with two other guys. I forget their names. <laughs> I don't even know who they were. Nobodies. But yeah, the wing, the wing position. It's just, I mean, we kind of talked about it last week. Jalen McDaniel's maybe, um, and then who's the other guy? <laughs> I already forget. Who who's the other wing guy that you wrote? Oh, about? Uh, Cam Reddish. Cam Reddish. Would just I, be not be just. That'd be like, I think you have more hope with Josh Jackson. No offense. I was going to say Cam Reddish kind of reminds me of Josh Jackson. Like high, higher draft pick, lottery pick, where it's like, you, 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 he came out of the draft. It's like, man, this guy could be good. And it just, like, just hasn't panned out. Um, but he's like, it's always, like, Cam Reddish is a little younger than Josh Jackson. He got drafted with Zion's year. So I think two years yeah, after. I immediately take back what I said because I was just thinking about it. I'm just like. Reddish still has more potential. Like Reddish is like <laughs> Josh Jackson's a little removed from like yeah, just if he just finds the perfect fit. Reddish has the physical assets too. He's long. He could be a good defender. I think he just needs to understand his role in the league. That he's never going to be the guy that everybody thought he was going to be. Yeah, that's very. It just true. sounds like it takes a cursory, just cursory research on this guy to figure out that he's just kind of overhyped coming out of high school. It sounds like. Mm-hmm. That's how a lot of people will summarize it. Um, willing to be corrected on that, but just doesn't seem like he's found a rhythm being the guy he thinks he is. And it's just like, dude, you could be so good if you just, partic- you know, set to a particular role. And while I think that, you know, if that would be great for the Kings to try that. It just seems like the guy's going into a contract year. I don't think he's going to try to go in there and do that. I, I, you might lose him. It might just end up being nothing. It's not worth it at all. 
if you were going to do that with anybody, you'd do it with McDaniels, I feel like. Because that guy, that guy's the, he's like the perfect example of a guy that just kind of like found a role and stuck to it, you know? Just kind of being that defensive guy that runs the floor, cuts, hits open threes. Mm -hmm. I don't know. Cam Reddish just seems like antithetical to, uh, I mean, like the the idea of chemistry gets brought up a lot. And it just seems like Cam Reddish, you're just going to throw him in there. I mean, like he might do well with them. I don't know. It just doesn't seem like the on-floor chemistry would be great. No, I I agree. I I think the Kings are at a spot where, yeah, there are a couple of players away still from being that real championship contender or just Fox really becoming like an elite player, like a 30-point-a-game kind of guy. But it's like, other than that, like the Kings just need solid role players around them. And you see that with the, the, the starting lineup in itself. I mean, Herter, Murray, and Barnes are playing like elite role players so far this season. Uh, Murray, especially in the last month and a half, right? Um, mm-hmm. And so you need those guys off the bench. Trey Lyles, great role player. Davion Mitchell, great role player. Malik Monk, I mean, I, would, I wouldn't say he's as much of a role player as the other guys where he has more freedom in what he does. But, um, yeah, I mean, like you said, chemistry. I think Cam Reddish is a guy who would try to do too much and throw off that chemistry and not play within his assigned role. Or Jalen McDaniels. We can get a Jalen McDaniels in Sacramento, a guy who's going to know his role and play good defense. That's what the Kings kind of need right now. So I totally get what you're saying. And he, he's yeah. a smarter pickup and a guy who would fit this team and culture a lot better. But I don't know that you'd be able to retain him because that guy would get a pretty nice deal. He's he's yeah, he's long. He he's the exact guy that every team wants. Every team wants that. You want to be like Memphis that's super long and like just has all sorts of different guys handling the ball and being long and disruptive out there or something like that. <laughs> you, you try to get guys like McDaniels. Mm-hmm. Um, and that would be the, that's the only issue with him. It's like, hey, dude, you want to just come here and you know play for like you know dimes on the dollar? Yeah, I know. Of course not. (laughs) Man, I know. But I mean, like, it's just, it's obviously those small moves, but it just seems so limited in terms of who's the, like, uh, I think Robert Covington would technically be somebody, but he's like 32 and making like $12 million a year and hasn't played really a lot this season. I don't know. There's like the bigger names, I guess, talking about a lot of people want the Kings to go after like, OG Ananobi, but has has been kind of the case since the interest rumor broke a couple of months ago. It's just like Kings are not going to – they don't have a first-round pick to give them. I don't see how they're going to – they'd have to give up maybe like Keegan Murray and Davion Mitchell and maybe something else and maybe have a chance at it. But it just seems like with a lot of these trade rumors, it's just like they just – the asking price just never comes down on a lot of them and then nothing happens. Yeah. And like, you, like a great point. <laughs> That's just kind of where the Kings are. Like with the Kings, we can't talk about those big name players because the Kings don't have anything to give away. They don't have any good trade pieces. Like I said, their trade pieces realistically of who the Kings would be willing to give away at this point would be Holmes. I mean, I don't even really want to say Trey Lyles anymore. I, I really like Trey Lyles. I kind of hope you try to resign him in the offseason. Trey Lyles, we're talking about guys that are kind of like versatile and long. I mean, he's not a wing, but like in terms of versatility, his ability to play inside and out, his defensive ability, 
that's a guy that you want him on your bench. Like if you can somehow retain him, you do it because he's he's vital. Yeah, he is vital. And so uh, so outside of him, even though he's on a contract year, you, you want to resign him. You want to retain him this year so you have the chance to resign him in the offseason. So you got Holmes, you have Terrence Davis, and then like I wouldn't even count like Alex Lynn or like I guess that would just be for like like get yeah exactly. Right. So your two big attractions, big attractions are Holmes and Davis, and then I guess second round picks, and then if you need salary fillers like Metu or Akpala, would you be tra- willing to trade Metu? Actually, I don't even know if Metu is even tradable. If- I mean, I would be if I'm Monty McNair and in, in if I'm in McNair, uh, Wes Wilcox, and Mike Brown's. In a room with them, I'm saying, yeah, you should trade Metu if you can. Yeah, but I just don't think that that's going to happen. I don't either. They'd have to get a guy that could be their backup five for a few years. Mm-hmm. You know, it just seems like the. I feel like that trust factor is always going to keep Metu around with Mike Brown. Okay, and I have big news right now. Um, sorry, breaking news. It is it is Tuesday for us. The Kings have just extended Monte McNair. Oh my God! So it says Sacramento is also working to finalize a contract extension with assistant GM Wes Wilcox. So Speak of the devil! Yes. That's wow! Yeah. It's three thirty-two on a Tuesday afternoon. <laughs> wow, that's that's fun. Well, that yeah. happened. That's a that the, the, a lot of people were wondering when that was gonna go down, and it happened in January. Mark's time was right. Yeah. No, that's uh, good. <laughs> I mean, they, you're talking about coming in January. Great. I mean, good. You needed to extend Monte McNair, and they've done it. That's crazy. Well, they, they, that was a, that was that that uh, was a long time coming. Yeah. Um, that that guy is the central figure behind you know everything that's different with this team. Obviously, you know, you got Mike Brown. You got different players that are really doing the work on the floor. But Monty McNair is the composer of this orchestra, and it's making pretty music right now. I think he deserves this more than anybody. I mean, at this point, Monty has to be like almost the front runner for that uh, GM of the year, right? He has to. The third seed, the Kings, with some good like uh, drafting Murray and signing Herter or trading for Herter and signing Monk in the offseason. I mean, those are... Those are uh, executive of the year moves right there. Big time. And so it's interesting because it's just like, man, like good for him. It's just like a couple. It was a couple of months ago. You and you and I were sitting across from my uncle. And he's just like, so is Vlade Divac still still <laughs> over there in Sacramento running things? Like, nope. It's a guy named Monty McNair. Who? Yeah, exactly. My, Monty McNair. What's his name? So it's nice that he's going to have some recognition. Yes. That's, yeah, he, he deserves every – he deserves all the recognition. And hats off for to uh, Vivek for extending this man. Don't know what took so long, but, uh, you know, it happened, and we just have to be happy about it, really. Yes. Now, what was the holdup? I, I don't know. It's just, Is there some tax thing or something? <laughs> yeah, maybe. I'm like, is it some, like, he wanted to write it off in his 2023 taxes. I don't know. Like, why the 24th of January? 
Why Tuesday? Were they waiting to get to a certain win total? I I don't know. Maybe. <laughs> I, don't I mean, know. what are they at? 20, 20, <laughs> 27 and 19? Are they 27? Yeah. Maybe it was a certain... Got to be a certain games ahead in third place. You're a game and a half. I don't know. I, I don't know. I'm, I'm just throwing things. I'm just spitballing here. But... I don't know. Long time coming. It'd be interesting to know why. I think that's definitely what you pivot to here. Yeah. Um, what took so long in this? Because this was a no brainer. Yeah. You know, we've I mean, been kind of anticipating this. It's just like, now it's just like, what, what took so long? Mm-hmm. As, yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I, I, I just doesn't make any sense why it would have taken long. I, it's just, it is odd. I, well, you know I what I just thought about? Because everybody what? was pointing to the Daryl Morey tweet where he was like, got to show up and do it in person to get the deal done or something. And everybody was like, oh, and I, you know, it's just like, that's just fun that they did that because they're buddies. Obviously, they go way back. And but it had like the money ball picture. You know what I'm talking about? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And uh, everybody's like, oh, that means they're going to make a trade. And like as people quickly figure it out in, in Twitter comments and online rhetoric and stuff like that it's like oh there really isn't i don't think anybody has anything to offer to each other there but now i'm like thinking like was i don't know is uh did that have anything to do with his contract it's a couple days removed now and i don't know why it would but it's just like it's kind of his like he's like uh kind of like godfather of monty mcnair you know yeah honestly yeah so they made (laughs) a made man so he had to be there for like a ceremony or something. <laughs> I mean, what was that? How long was the extension? That's another. Question. I I don't see any. I don't see any. Uh, it probably align with. Does it align with Mikey Brown? What's up, Mikey Brown? Um, no, let me see. You'd hope so. I I don't see any timeline of a deal. Well, it, it'll probably come out later. Unfortunately. So keep an eye out for that. If you don't know off the top of your head, uh, if you're listening to this, hopefully that news will have broken by then. The specifics of the deal, which I will imagine come out in the next hour. We might be able to get that in here. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's awesome. Good for him. Yeah. He's done a great job. I mean, when he took over the Kings, they were on, what, a 14-year playoff drought. Um, and just, you know... I mean, the big thing Monte has done, other than drafting, was choosing a direction for this team. Because for so long, they were in that purgatory of sucking too bad to get a high draft pick, but um, or sucking sucking too bad to make the playoffs, but being a little too good to get like a top three or four draft pick. Um, and shit, Monte chose that direction and still got both, right? And they might make yeah. the playoffs this year. And they got a fourth overall, or they'll probably make the playoffs this year. And they got the fourth overall pick. So, I mean, just trading for Sabonis was huge and just choosing a direction. They could have tanked. They could have gone for a big name like they did. But they're just, like, going somewhere instead of just being in that hell. So, Kings are just reaping the rewards now off of it. They're going to break their 16-year playoff drought. And it's all thanks to this man. He, he's been fantastic. Monty McNair is just going to trade Sabonis and Fox and a bunch of guys to Philadelphia. <laughs> Keep the money and just sabotage the Kings. That'd be a hell of a storyline. Dude. But um, huge signing. Good job, Vivek. 
That's, that's it. That's all I got. I mean, I guess, Viva, you better like, – why take so long? Yeah. Um, but uh, I guess like, we won't see Vivek's daughter be the GM anytime soon. That's a bummer. She was, was, she really was gonna. She was, we'd be in the first seat. She was our. Ah, seriously, man, that's ridiculous. I don't know. That just goes under the radar. But kind of going off of McNair's kind of off season of getting like Herder and Monk, it was interesting that uh, the Lakers got Rui Hachimura hours after it broke that the Kings had interest in getting Hachimura, and um, yeah, it kind of. That Wizards Lakers connection, remember, uh, is almost kind of reversed roles here, where they made a deal that left out the Kings, but it's also notable that the Lakers wanted to re-sign Malik Monk, and Malik Monk came to Sacramento, and also that the Lakers were interested in trying to acquire Kevin Herter, but the Kings ended up getting Kevin Herter. I would almost say that the the Kings have kind of uh, bested the Lakers. I mean, getting Hachimura was cool. That would have been interesting if the Kings would have gotten him. I don't know how that would work because I always kind of envisioned him more as a power forward than like a, a small forward or like a wing. But he's mm-hmm. a long, athletic player and kind of in the positionless aspect of basketball. I mean, he's going to be a commodity in this league. I mean, he already is. And the Lakers are talking about keeping him long term, obviously. So a good pickup for them. But it would have been interesting to see him on the Kings. I don't know what that deal would have looked like or how realistic that deal was to even happening, considering those that news broke right before the Lakers pulled the trigger on it. But you have any thoughts on that? Um, I mean, not really. I mean, Rui Hachimura, I liked him. Um, I he wasn't like a guy at the top of my list. Like, yeah, he probably could have helped out the Kings. Again, I don't know what the... Like you said, the trade would have looked like for him. I think you mentioned that he was traded for two second rounders and Kendrick Nunn. So maybe yeah. two second rounders and Terrence Davis. But yeah, I kind of see him more as a power forward too. Um, man, he'd be a good he'd be a good guy off the bench, but uh, maybe you can plug him in at that small forward position behind Barnes. But I don't know. He I mean he would have been good to help us out, but. I mean, if you're flipping him for Davis, you're getting more length. You're definitely yeah. going to utilize him more. It What's his been contract? A, uh, he's, know. I think it's expiring, right? Isn't he on a, well, yeah. how long is he? End of his rookie deal, I guess. And, yeah. But I think yeah, yeah, the yeah. Lakers are looking to extend him. So we'll yeah, see. Ex- it's probably, I don't know what he's going to get paid. That would be the question. I probably. think he's going to be the same thing as Jalen McDaniels at this point. Like if you trade for him, you probably won't be able to retain him. So I think that's yeah, kind I think of just that's like the same the, road, yeah. right? It's just like I think more yeah. of these because Hachimura is worth way more than McDaniel's. Yeah, I think so. So you probably you definitely aren't getting Hachimura in the offseason. So it's like that's why I just like whatever. Like he, I don't think he was really ever like he like the reports came out like the Kings are interested in him, but it's like a, why wouldn't they be? They're interested in OG player? Anunoby, you know? Yeah, <laughs> exactly. It's like you kind of have to be, but again, I never really expected the Kings to make that trade or yeah. obtain them. You know, it's just yeah. kind of like kind of same thing for like the Jalen McDaniel situation we already explained. It just you probably won't be able to resign them, so I I give two second rounders for a rental for a team that's not still not built to really make a really deep playoff run. 
I mean, you could feasibly. I mean, I don't know. You could maybe if you could move. He wouldn't be able to keep. You wouldn't be able to keep a lot of guys with him. But if you would have been able to trade for Hachimura, I do think that the Kings would have been able to maybe retain him because he has that. There's actual like reason to want to keep him, like to maybe like step up to take him. But you'd lose. You definitely wouldn't be keeping Lyles. You definitely would be losing a lot of financial flexibility, and. It would you probably have to jump through some hurdles to do so. Mm-hmm. So it just would have been like kind of it would have almost been like one of those situations where it's like, oh, we'll see where, where, where this goes, which kind of brings us to another topic, because in terms of like, oh, where would this go? Um, one of the things that a lot of people say, and some people say this within the context of what we were just laying out, which was that. There's not a ton of options out there for the Kings. Therefore, but then there's also some people out there that are just like, no, the Kings should just not mess with the chemistry, which is the point people come to a lot, which is viable. You know, we saw that report earlier in the season. Like the Kings are not interested in trading Harrison Barnes and they want to focus on keeping the chemistry. You know, if the validity of that is to be taken for what it is. Uh, that would kind of go for the team at large. But it's kind of one of those things where it's like there's an argument, I guess, to be made, probably more in the context of the idea that there's not a ton of options in terms of trade candidates, or at least not visible to us on the outside. Um, there's, There's viability in the argument that the Kings should focus on chemistry more than being aggressive, which is probably more the characterization than just going out and making a trade. It's whether or not the Kings want to be aggressive. Because if it, the, the options are low, that means the the le- the necessary level of aggression needs to be higher, right? So, mm-hmm. I mean, there's, an argu- there's a huge argument to be made that, well, if you have to be aggressive to make a move, that might screw with one of the things that you really have going here. I don't know. Could the Kings be put in a position where they just can't be making a move or shouldn't be making a move? I don't know. How do you see some of that? I mean, I think chemistry is an important piece um, of winning, right? And the Kings have good chemistry. So, yeah, I mean, you don't want to make a move that would hurt the chemistry, kind of like we were talking about with Cam Reddish, where it's like, yeah, Cam Reddish might be able to help out as that backup three, but it's like he's a guy who can – ruin that chemistry like maybe those locker room cancers maybe just a guy that doesn't know his role i think a guy who knows his role like that Jalen mcdaniels i think that's what we're talking about like Jalen mcdaniels so much it's like he's a guy i wouldn't mind bringing over and he would improve this team and not mess up the chemistry but you don't want to get a guy well i mean if you if you're not improving the chemistry or at least keeping it the same then are you really improving the team right so i mean true maybe cam reddish i don't know it's just kind of weird because it's like I just don't see him fitting well in to the team, which would just ruin the chemistry and the team at the same time. So they obviously go hand in hand, but um, you definitely have to keep that in mind because they the Kings just have they have a good culture going right now under Mike Brown, and you can't mess that up. We've seen stuff happen in the past. I mean, look at the Hawks right now; they were I mean, like getting Dejounte Murray. I think everyone thought it was just going to be like, oh, or even like the Timberwolves, not to skip my point so quick. And I know these teams are kind of like doing a little better than they were at the start of the season, but just getting a big name doesn't mean you're going to start winning right away, right? 
or win it all. Sometimes, or not sometimes, I mean, chemistry is a big factor. And like I said, no, like the Kings are in much more need of role players and people who know their role to a team than probably like a big splash or like a guy who will ruin up what they got going in sack. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's just, it's a huge factor. I guess it's just like one of those things where, again, it's like, it's just the prevailing factor because if you can't make a move, you can't make a move. I mean, it, the, the thing is, though, it's like if they can somehow just add a guy and not make anything major, you know, not like trade a guy that's already in the rotation as a stable piece in the rotation, but just get a guy that you can maybe squeeze in there. I mean, that could be useful, but it's like all about how feasible and realistic it is. And at this point, I don't know. It just doesn't seem like it. it, it is. Um, I don't know how active the Kings are going to be at the trade deadline. And if I think the thing that people will come to is just, and I guess it'd be kind of almost a PR narrative. It's just like, we're just pretty sure. Well, you know what we traded for? We traded for more chemistry. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> it just... I, I just that just seems like the way it's going, at least right now. Two weeks, what, two weeks, two and a little more than two weeks out from the deadline, February 9th. <laughs> I think at the end of this, um, Kings are very like, yeah, they need to get some players, um, but they're just very limited in what they can do at this trade deadline. So I honestly wouldn't be surprised if no moves were made. And at the end of the day, you need you need to bring in chemistry guys or role players. That's what they can afford right now. And that's what they need to win. You can worry about maybe getting a big name in the off season where you have a whole, um, you know, training camp and preseason to build that chemistry together. But right now you're not looking for any big splashes. You're looking for role players, chemistry guys. But I mean, it's just, again, it's like, it'd be, I guess uh, I can talk about as Mason Plumley. It's just like, you know that they're trying to move him. He'd be the one guy that you're pretty much okay with getting maybe for just a half a season rental. It seems like if anybody's going to come here, it's going to be him. Yeah, but, he makes the most sense. And just yeah. because, just how closely he resembles Sabonis' game as a backup center, um, it just makes the most sense. Um, he's going to come in. He's going to be a pro. Um, he's going to know his role. And so that's why it just makes sense. Even if it's just a half season rental, it's also the, the position the Kings need the most, you know, the most uh, uh, support in is that backup five role. So it, it just it does make, I mean, maybe just because it just makes the most sense, we can see it like, okay, like we're okay with this. And at the same time, I think you can get them for like maybe a couple second rounders and a Terrence Davis and an Alex Lynn, right? Like it's like guys you wouldn't mind giving up because Terrence Davis is in a contract year, and um, I don't know. I've never really cared too much about second rounders, so Plumlee would be a big pickup. It would be it would definitely bolster, uh, bolster this team's depth a little more because um, that backup five has just been a really big hole. So it would be interesting to see how much better the Kings could get with the with a pretty solid backup five. True. I don't know. Is there anything else to talk about with the trade deadline? I mean, I feel like I I just don't think there's too much. I just think with how limited the Kings are and what they can trade, and just you know that that obviously limits names we can reasonably talk about. 
And those names are kind of guys who are in contract years already. It's just it's just hard to really talk about it until we hear more more rumors, really, on who the Kings are interested in. Um, or, you know, maybe they are looking for a bigger name. It, it's just hard to really go into too much depth on it. Um, they're just so limited at this point. Yeah. And again, this might be, be conjecture, but it's like I was thinking – I was thinking about the fact, you know, prior to him actually getting the extension a second ago, I was thinking about, well, maybe they're waiting to give Monty McNair a contract extension. They're waiting until after the trade deadline, you know, to to do that. So, again, conjecture here. It's uh, maybe that's kind of a sign that they don't want to do anything. I don't know. I, w- I wouldn't buy into that, but it's interesting. I don't know. It just doesn't seem... Like it's out there, like a ton of options are out there. Something could happen, but I almost wouldn't bet money on it. Yeah, I, mean, I don't know. Again, it's like one move could happen. I could see. It, yeah, move I mean, I could. It's. It, I mean, the best case scenario, you get Mason Plumley. Um, you know, the worst case scenario, you get. I mean, I'm gonna say worst case. Worst case scenario, you just like trade away for some bonus, right? <laughs> Um, <laughs> Trey Keegan Murray. <laughs> I can't believe that that's a topic. I'm just like I don't think he's on the table. No, the way Mike Brown talks about that guy, like he really thinks that guy's going to be a, like a two way star. And I, he's got all I the makings for it. This guy's got touch on offense. He's got length on defense. That would be probably worst case moving him or something. That like in terms of something that people are actually talking about. <laughs> of course, the bonus would be in- <laughs> that'd be insane. Yeah, yeah we just did. We did. We just tried him out for a year. <laughs> yeah, we 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 told him we, we want to be in first place by January twenty fourth. So we got Miles Turner instead. Oh my God! Imagine, <laughs> imagine trading the bonus for Miles Turner straight up. But uh, (laughs) that's all I got on the trade deadline. Yeah, it's like, at least for right now, we'll follow up next week. Something can definitely break. The Hachimura thing is kind of interesting on Monday. Those rumors come out. It's like, oh, it's something to write about. It's like, oh, never mind. (laughs) But anything can happen. Anything can change. But kind of moving on to a less King-centric topic to kind of close out here. Uh, I was watching that 49ers and uh, Dallas game where the 49ers beat the dreaded Cowboys and and uh, Kevin Burkhart and uh, Greg Olson, which I cannot flip and believe that they're doing the Super Bowl. Are they? They're doing yeah, the Super Bowl. Fox has the Super Bowl this year, and they're there. That's their primetime. That's wow. their. That's what Joe Buck and Troy Aikman used to be last year. Yeah, year they left for ESPN. Yes, which is like. The geriatric booth because both those guys are getting kind of up there. <laughs> but, um, and so they wanted to go younger. Um, so they were talking though. And um, I, I think, you know, like Elijah Mitchell had just had a handoff because um, he was finally being used in the second half. And uh, I think Kevin Burkhart almost said Donovan Mitchell. And he's like, oh, I almost said Donovan Mitchell. And like him and Greg Olson were saying like, like, oh, how do you think he would do as a running back in this league? Like, oh, he would do great. I'm <laughs> just sitting there going, no, he wouldn't. 
<laughs> as a running back in the NFL, probably be done after a quarter. Like <laughs> I tell you who would be a good running back. The other Mitchell, Davion Mitchell, that guy would be built to be a running back. And it just like got me thinking, I'm like, who would be not necessarily for the NFL, but it's like who on the Kings would be an athlete in another sport, you know? Hmm. Cause you have like Keegan Murray. Keegan Murray says that if he didn't play basketball, he'd be a, a lefty pitcher, even though he only played like up until like the beginning of high school or something like that. He didn't even play that deep. <laughs> so it's not even like he knows he has the arm for it or anything like that. Like, I think he admits that he didn't even throw that fast. But he's like, yeah, I'd figure it out. I'd do it, which is just such an interesting thing about Keegan Murray. But it, that, I mean, that's also a factor though. It's like mindset, like, you know, but physical too, probably is the thing that stands out. Basketball, I think, is one of those sports where it's like if you're good in basketball, you could probably be good in like a lot of other sports because it's not just so much just like physical asset. There's a lot of, I mean, I, I can, you can say this about any sport, right? It's like it's just not physical. There's skill in it too, but it's just I think it kind of like marries the both pretty well. Where it's like okay, yeah. I could see you know Keegan being like a crafty lefty, right? Um, even though he's not <laughs> the craftiest long... of rookies right now, he's you know he's it's a skill to be an NBA player or, I mean, I think a lot of people uh, see basketball and football going hand in hand. Just, I mean, I feel like a lot of these basketball players, of course, could just go into the NFL because yeah. they're like six, eight. <laughs> There's the physical profile, the athleticism, and of course the work ethic. They're already in the professional basketball league, the preeminent uh, basketball league in the world. Why wouldn't they be able to, if they could reverse things, put the same work ethic into being a, in the preeminent league of another sport. I yeah, exactly. Saying. But like who specifically, because it's like one of the guys I think about, I'm like Harrison Barnes. Like, first of all, you watch Harrison Barnes when he was in high school. The guy was like a freak like compared to all the people he's playing against. He's just this like big guy that's just running around. I mean, when you think about it, Harrison Barnes is like the six, eight wing moves really well. That's kind of a physical freak in a way. I just feel mm-hmm. like that guy puts on a little bit more, a little bit more body mass. Nah, I've got that guy at tight end. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. For sure. Yeah, we, killing it. I know? think Fox could be like a like a running QB, the lefty. He could be Mike yeah. Vick. <laughs> That's not bad to say. On like, the field. On the field. I just remember he uh, after. I remember when he had that, or Harrison Martins had that buzzer beater uh, against the. Cavaliers a couple seasons ago and Fox had like he threw like that three quarter pass from uh-huh. like so he's like yeah QB one that's like I don't know yeah. maybe not the arm but I can see him just you know sitting in that pocket for a second and then a hole opens up and he's, he's just gone he's quick you know so I could right. see him though. I could just see him like just taking off and there's Fox it's a 40 yard pickup and he's like right, why Fox is 6'5 with that kind of length and whatnot I mean that guy would be freaking awesome he's only 6'3 6'3 yeah, and I think he's six five. He's know. long though. I mean, he's he's got. A, yeah, he is, he's long. But I, I see. Obviously, I see Sabonis more as a quarterback for the team, though. You know, if I had to pick a quarterback from the Kings, it'd be Sabonis. Yeah, I mean, Fox is the closer. He's the running back. Yeah, in a lot of ways, in terms of how their roles translate. I mean, I was saying last week that Sabonis, though, because he's a pass first big that can also go get it himself. That, that in a lot of ways is like a running quarterback. I could see, I could see Metu being like a Jimmy Graham. So he's like Metu, a tight he's, end. He's one of the best athletes on the team. You put him freaking yeah, him as a goal line guy. 
Oh. Like a receiver. He'd be very good. Oh, yeah. Get him, get him in the air. Mm-hmm. Just get, get Mezzy for the fade. <laughs> you know, they call him Mezzy fade. <laughs> Mezzy fade. You, you could have Alex Lynn as like a, like a left guard or a left tackle, I mean. <laughs> the tower. <laughs> he's a beast, yeah. a strong guy too. He's a big guy, yeah. He's a big guy. <laughs> but if something tells me he'd end up like Mike McGlinchey. Did you see the 49ers right tackle end up parallel to the ground against <laughs> Michael Parsons? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that was not a good look. Matthew Delvadova would obviously be playing cricket. He's from Australia. Golly. Matthew Del- Delicatessen. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. Who else is on this team? I feel like, you know, like I just not necessarily we don't have to stick to football because it's like I'm just gonna go like, yeah, Trey Lyles could play do this. Like he was got a nice mix of athleticism and size. But like like Kaziak Paul, I could see him being a soccer player. You know, like a <laughs> Zell out there. He just runs, you know, he's just like athletic. He's because he's not like super big. I mean, he could be a wide receiver, but again, like venturing away from football here, you know. You get Akpala out there, which sounds almost like Impala, like he's grazing the field, you know? <laughs> I think that'd be great. The Akpala in his natural habitat. <laughs> I kind of like that. Yeah. See, there you go. Huh? I like it. I like it. Um, I don't know. I mean, I've only ever played basketball, football, and baseball, so my mind kind of just goes to that. I don't, I don't, know, this, I don't know the skills did, too did much. You, did, you play, uh, did you play tackle football? Oh yeah, no, I played eighth grade flag football. So, <laughs> but so my mind definitely goes to those. Maybe I think you say soccer. I'm trying to think like someone would be like a good goalkeeper. I like I like the deli for uh, uh, the cricket thing. <laughs> yeah, deli. I like that too. We don't have any big shot blockers, so I'd be like, you know, I can't say anyone's like, yeah, just like a goalie. But, <laughs> well, I like I feel like if you had. Like Davion Mitchell, like we said, would be a good running back, but maybe he'd also be a good hockey goalie because he's got that stoutness to him. That is quick. true. Yeah, he is I don't know a ton about hockey, but I feel like just put him back there. Put it. Yeah, put I, th- I think Davion Mitchell would just be a good like uh, like and he guy defends who scores his body. goals in hockey. He'd be a left wing. <laughs> <laughs> I think he'd be great. Uh, you ever ice skated before? Where you used to pick it up. <laughs> If he like practiced his whole life, he'd be good. If he just picked it up in high school, I bet he would have figured it out. Probably have a yeah. passion for it. Yeah, exactly. But you know, um, you know um, like I feel like Sabonis could be like a rower or a swimmer. Maybe not a swimmer, but maybe a rower. Kind of looks like you know I those rower see. guys are I think like that's hella a, fit and hella tall. Yeah, no, and that's like Delmas true. Is fit. Um, I think that's a really good comparison, actually. Be a, yeah, but Delmont seems too nice to be a rower. Like rower guys are kind of they have a they have a reputation. Um, I'm trying to think. I could see Kevin Herter being a soccer player, actually, more yeah. than anyone with a headband, <laughs> especially. <laughs> I feel like he always has his hands on his side. Who else? Like, like Malik. I feel like Malik like, Monk would be a wide receiver. Malik Monk could be a wide receiver, but he'd get freaking hurt by week three. <laughs> <laughs> he'd have to be like a kick returner, someone who's like... No, you're smart. right. He, he is much more of a kick returner kind of guy. He'd, he'd not be somebody you want to subject to a lot of hits. No, that's... <laughs> no, just send him over the middle. Who gives a shit? Just throw him, just throw him jump balls. And he, he just got hopped <laughs> he and he's like very hurt. agile. Yeah. That's why I see him he, as he, like he, a, a, a wide end. 
Oh yeah, yeah. That's yeah, got that air, and he just play the ball. He just he kind of be a trash talker, but have a good sense of humor and confidence about it. I can see that now. Yeah, I like that's a much better comparison. Yeah, who are we missing? Who are we not? I know. I'm trying to think. Trey Lyles. I already kind of said Trey. Yeah, Lyles has got uh, that kind of football. Mm, he really has that skill set. I don't know. I think that's everyone. See, I guess he Delhi Delhi could be rugby player if we're going to say cricket. I mean, like he's tough. I feel like <laughs> I, rugby could, I could see that. Delhi just get wiped out by guys twice his size, getting right up. I could see that. That's normal. <laughs> that's Delhi. That's just Delhi for you. <laughs> Wearing a scrum cap. <laughs> <laughs> I know I get to I get to tell to see Delhi in a scrum cap. Uh, I don't know why this conversation is so fun. <laughs> <laughs> it's a good way to end it for sure. Uh, who are we missing, man? I mean, I think Davis. I think that's it. TD. I mean, he's a t- all right. I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, TD. No, um, I don't know. You know. <laughs> <laughs> TD, he could play in the secondary somewhere. Yeah, so I could see him as secondary. Maybe a linebacker, even. Yeah, he's so like, you give him the ball or whatever. He's just such a, he's just after it. So I feel like he, he'd have a good nose for the football on defense. Yeah, that's true. But yeah, man. Keita. Keita could be a, a goalie in soccer for Portugal. <laughs> Hitting his head on the <laughs> Goalkeeper. That'd be crazy. I feel like he could do it. I think, I don't know. He's, <laughs> he's a little there. slow. I feel like he would just get killed in penalty. If his kick. reaction time was hella good, he'd have everything. But I mean, I guess yeah, you I don't think about he anybody. <laughs> yeah. That's true. Like if his reaction time was there, he'd be playing as a backup center. <laughs> exactly. Wouldn't have to be worried about being a freaking soccer goalie. Exactly, that's true. His, his reaction time isn't there though. But yeah, I think that covers everybody. Yeah, I think so too. Well, the Kings play tonight. Technically tomorrow for us, but they play tonight. For those listening today on January twenty fifth, they play their last home game of the homestand against the Toronto Raptors. So. Toronto's kind of fallen off a little, not not really in the playoff hunt as much as they were in the Kings last faced them. So ended ended with the win. It's another winnable game for the Kings, and and you know you got that you got that road trip coming up. So it'd be nice to close it out on the uh, on the <laughs> close it out at home with the win before that road trip coming up. Oh yeah, yeah, you'll be on the road for a while. Yeah, a long while. It'll be a big, big, big test then, but that's it. You got anything else to wrap it up with? Well, I just like it because I'm looking at the schedule there in the second week of February when they come home for a second. They play two games in a back-to-back, both against Dallas. And it's like they'll be doing exactly what Dallas is doing. They'll stop in, stay in Sacramento, and then leave. It's yeah. like they're a visiting team. I know. That's kind of that, weird. So that'll suck, but they'll, 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 they'll <laughs> be a good test, but... Yeah, close out strong against Toronto. That's a team you can definitely beat at home. Or mm-hmm. should beat at home, I mean. Yes. And I guess we'll see you tonight. But uh, thank you all for tuning in. And until next time, have a good one. <laughs>